0: Welcome to The Science Whisperer with Christine Brooks and Dr. Paul Behrens. Hello! Hello!
1: Every week we'll be talking about some topical science or historical science.
0: So basically all of the science. And I don't know much about science and Paul knows quite a bit more. And if he doesn't, he can Google. Woo! So, welcome to The Science Whisperer. Science Whisperer. Science Whisperer. Science Whisperer. Science Whisperer. This week on The Science Whisperer, we have two segments for you. First up, we're going to cover This Week in Science with uh, an item on the fires in Australia and climate change in the Arctic. It's a song of ice and fire this week. And then we're doing a primer for you on renewable energies.
1: Yeah, yeah. So first up, we're going to talk a little bit about the fires in Australia. So as has been in the world news, there's been some huge uh, blazes in Australia. And I think one of the interesting things for scientists looking at this is looking at the effect this is... I mean, there's obviously huge ecological effects. And effects
0: on humans and people and property.
1: Exactly, and property and all that sort of stuff. uh, And and ecosystems. But in terms of some of the human effects, some of the health effects are going to be really serious too. Mm. Now, when you get huge bushfires like you have uh, during last week and a little bit of the week before, um, you tend to throw up a lot of smoke, uh, a lot of particulates. So you throw up a lot of CO2... A lot of um, that's carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, which we know is is, is very bad for you. Um, methane, formaldehydes, all sorts of nasty things, gases that come going to be bad news. Be
0: gas situations. Bad
1: news. Gas situations. Now, one of the the most serious of all of these is the particulates that you get released. So these are small little bits of wood of. Um, of material that is actually being generated by the fire,
0: like carbon and...
1: yeah, like really, really small bits now the the ones that are really really uh, d- worrying, so the bigger bits they kind of get filtered out,
0: so what sort of sizes are we talking we're talking
1: so smaller than so the the limit by which things get really really concerning, I guess is anything smaller than two point five micrometers, which is zero point zero two five. Millimeters. Okay, right. so really, really small. Yes. Now, when they get to that size, when you breathe it into your lungs, it goes into your lungs, goes into your, your alveoli. Oh, and, yes. And you remember? Yeah, the little... That's when biology strikes again. Oh, yeah.
0: the little hairs the that little, help filter stuff.
1: Are they? As I thought the, they were little sacs.
0: In your lung, oh... I'm going to go with what you say. Oh, I don't
1: know. Well, maybe I'm not a biologist, but... Um,
0: and I'm clearly not a biologist.
1: But it gets small enough so that the particulates mm-hmm. can be exchanged uh, between the lungs and the blood. Right. So then it can go into the into the bloodstream because it's very, very small. Mm-hmm. The other thing is it can get taken down really, really deeply into your lungs. So it really... Um, there's, there's very little filters that will filter that out through mm-hmm. throughout your body. Um, so it, causes, it could cause cancers, cardiovascular problems, asthma, all sorts of nasty issues, right? And um, these bushfires... Tend- just
0: before you go on, mm-hmm. uh, we just did a fact check and uh, noting that, once again, Dr. Paul Behrens is right in all things science, because uh, avioli are, in fact, hollow cavities
1: the little the little sort of like circular things at the end of the uh, uh, yeah. at the end of the sort of lung i mean at the end of the lungs so they as i understand it you get lots and lots they're circular because you want to increase the surface area so you want to increase the gas transfer between the blood that's uh, going to be running outside the alveoli yes and the oxygen that's coming in and filling the alveoli up mm-hmm. um, so yeah nasty nasty things these particulates and they can cause lung cancers cardiovascular problems as us say and because it gets exchanged into the system it can cause cancers elsewhere in the body as well
0: is it like like is, are these fires basically like just a giant cigarette that everyone's inhaling so um, cigarette
1: smoke s- sort of uh, i think there are similar sort of issues with cigarette smoke in terms of the particulates that you'll be breathing in um in the term, in in cigarettes you've also got other issues with tar and uh, ah. and obviously the nicotine factor with the, with the, the addiction but yes. um there are other other factors in that as well and if you look at the mortality Mm. the mortality rates okay so we're going to talk about that in a minute um but if the mortality rates increase by one percent for every 10 micrograms of particulates in a meter cubed Mm -hmm. okay so that's 0.01 M- uh, milligrams yeah. per metres cubed so it doesn't have to be too much yeah. to increase by 1% so if you look at Australia for example so I had a little look at this um, that value by the way comes from a, a report that uh, Mick Meyer um, produced he's from CSIRO which is the uh, research institute mm-hmm. in the in Australia and uh, now the mortality rates is the number of deaths per thousand people per year right. Okay, so let's put this in context so if you get six point, so in Australia, there are 6.7 deaths per thousand people per year. So the mortality rate is 6.7.
0: Is it all deaths? Uh,
1: if that's for males. males. For females, right. it's 4.7. So it's slightly lower. Um, OK, now for every day that the particulates in the atmosphere mm. uh, increase by a certain amount, there'll be a certain amount of increased mortality, increased death. Because of those particulates being in the atmosphere, okay right now, if you increase things by ten micrograms per meters cubed mm-hmm. okay. In the last bushfires, uh, the last big bushfires that were looked at in depth, whether near Melbourne, um, the bushfires uh, increased the amount of particulates in the atmosphere around Melbourne by 100 micrograms per meters cubed. So increased that's huge. the death rates by 10%. Now, the important thing is that that's averaged over the year. So the effects of the fire people dying last only two weeks or something so that you've got that increased mortality only over those two weeks or whatever
0: and and this is is that mortality taking into account people who actually died in the fires
1: no um that's a really good question i'm not sure but as we'll see the mortality rates i think the mortality rates are higher than the mortality rates of the people in the fires right um, because Australia has a really good response to it, and there's lots yes. of warnings and move, pe- move people out of the but way. But they definitely
0: lost a few people in those
1: no-one Yeah, definitely. Mm. And that's something we should probably look up and, and put on put on put online and
0: extra facts. Extra, extra facts.
1: Extra. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of just the particulate health effects, I mean these these are ongoing. So you know you can have these particulates, breathe them into your system, and then years down the line you have you know these issues like yeah. uh, lung cancer. Yes. Um Okay, so if we look at just one day now, I did I just crunched the numbers on this, so I had a look at a, a look online about this. Now, if we look at just males, one point, uh, 6.7 deaths per thousand people. Okay, per, year. per per year. If we take that down to the day, that's zero point zero one eight deaths per thousand people per day. If you look at each day where the particulate matters over by that temp- increase in the death mortality rate by 10%, so over that mm. 100 microgram threshold per just yes. cube threshold, that's 0.0018 extra deaths per 1,000 people per day that that's happening. Okay. Okay, now if we invert that and we say, well, how many people do we have to get a death? Because we've got 0.0018, obviously mm. that's not a death. If we invert that and we look at how many people it requires to get a, a, a single death, mm. then we get around 55,000 people. So there's one death associated with that event
0: mm-hmm.
1: per 55,000 people. And as I say, that can be way down the line. Yeah. But per day, it's over that amount.
0: So if it was for, say, two weeks long, you'd hit yeah. 14 at of...
1: Yes. Yeah. Deaths associated with that event. Particularly. Yeah. Particularly. Particularly particulates. Particulate. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, wow. I believe that's just particulates. I'd have to uh, recheck. I, I don't think it even a. Uh, Extends adjust. to to carbon dioxide and the oh, gas okay. issues. Right, I think it's just carbon di- um particulates. Now this is obviously of a uh, great uh, importance here in New Zealand. Uh, particulates always been looked at because we've got a lot of fire burning for heat, yeah. uh, and so there are studies of this. But because
0: um, down in like Christchurch, particularly the smog and winter would sometimes yeah, yeah, and this really there. affects so bad, respiratory though. problems, and yeah, cardiovascular well, problems. I'm, you know, I know people that couldn't really live in Christchurch in the winter because of the asthma they'd get from the oh, smog. Oh, really? That yep. bad? Yeah, it was really bad.
1: Right, yeah. And this is an issue, you know, around Ooh. the world in, in urban areas. Other big, smoggy yeah. cities. Huge. And what
0: about... so? When you talk about particulates, the other, the other sort of example that leaps to my mind is sort of mining, coal mining. Is that a similar situation? Yeah, similar,
1: similar sort of respiratory problems. I yeah. mean, if you if you have not got the health and safety there, if you look at um, some of the issue, you know, some of the issues in mines, they're very, very heavily regulated in yes. a lot of um, wow. developed countries. Well, yeah, we've had problems in New Zealand, but um, generally for those sorts of things, I believe uh, things are quite well regulated. Yes,
0: um, and so. In terms of your example, the um, so we're talking about the bushfires in Australia, uh, and what sort of, so what sort of um, area would that potentially impact on? So these are ones obviously quite near Sydney, which is a, a major metropolitan. Yeah, centre. So And I mean they spread right along the Blue Mountains and up through. I think mm. they're in the Hunter Valley and quite near mm. Newcastle as well. So you've got a you know large population affected even just in that region. But what sort of spreading out effect or does um,
1: diffusion so I think um, I'm not sure so you'd have to have a look at yeah. what the modelling did for that right. so there will be very developed well developed mm-hmm. um, what's called planetary boundary layer modelling right um, to work out where the particulates will have gone over that time because okay. you'll need to take into account the weather
0: yes, of course.
1: and whether it's come over Sydney and whether it's gone out uh, yeah. into sort of uh, very lowly populated areas um, the planetary boundary layer is the is the layer between the ground yeah. and it depends on the day but it's, it's the point at which the wind, the surface flow decouples from the flow above so you get the turbulent flow near the surface of the earth oh, we've got somebody
0: just the local motorcycle lo- again
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jason goes, damn they go through the tunnel
0: those crazy kids mm.
1: uh, and then above that you get a laminar flow yeah. So uh, which is a sort of a straight flow so it's not turbulent and churning all the time.
0: Let's pretend those nice bites were sound effects that we purposely put in the podcast for extra added particular particular sound Underlining. Effects. That's yeah. what they sound like. That's what particular sound like when yeah. you model the sound waves. Mm. Mm. I yeah. can't back that up with silence. <laughs> but that's never stopped me.
1: No, no, carry on. <laughs> Um, yeah. So. Um...
0: Right. So that's a, that's a little bit of science on the uh, the bushfires in Australia. You know, hopefully they they clear up soon. I mean, one of the interest this sort of is an interesting segue, I guess, into our next topic because, and um, what I've seen the coverage of the bushfires. This is much earlier in the season than you'd normally expect. Right. And there's speculation that climate change is contributing to, among other weather patterns. Um, the dryness, you know, it's influencing the dryness of the. Well, there's,
1: there's very, the, yeah, there's very, so there's very little doubt that climate change isn't contributing to this. I mean, so the it cli- isn't, or it is. It, there's very little doubt that it isn't. So it is contributing. Yeah. That was a double Don't negative. Speak Don't there. speak double <laughs> negative But there's okay. very
0: little doubt that climate <laughs> change, change isn't, isn't not not, not contributing not. <laughs> to these fires. Bring yeah. your science in accessible <laughs> bites,
1: job <laughs> Oh. Uh so the uh climate
0: change is contributing to these fires. Yeah. Is that a true statement?
1: That is a true statement. Okay. So what it is it there is issues with with saying is that any one event is due to climate change. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: It's it's the sort of patterns and the trends. So
1: it's said. just that the frequency of these events you'd expect more um more of these events and you'd expect them at stranger times of the year. And right. so these patterns are definitely showing that so we've got these odd fires at an odd time of year um, I don't know about the frequency in the fires of Australia, I think the frequency has increased because
0: um, I mean Australia has, um, they have programs where they do they burn off, actively mm. burn off um, forests to minimise the impact of bushfires like this so, mm-hmm. and I think um, talking to a Australian that I'm familiar with they, um, <laughs> they, they hadn't done that yet this year yet
1: Okay. Once okay. again, I can't back that up with okay. data. No, that's that's good. A good anecdotal evidence. Just pillow talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. Good. Good anecdotal evidence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, all right. So anyway, the the smooth segue that uh, that I was aiming for was into our next topic for this week in science, which is climate change in the Arctic or what's going on in the Arctic. For us then, Dr. Paul. Yeah. Can they, I call you Dr.
1: Paul? You can if you like. <laughs> I'm kind of unused to that.
0: <laughs> Even right. my students
1: don't call me Dr. Paul. They well, usually just say Paul.
0: <laughs> I'm going to call
1: you Dr. Paul. <laughs> All right. Um, the University of Colorado Boulder. Um, Boulder, Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Bouldering mm-hmm. in Colorado. They uh, There's a, a researcher there, um, Gifford Miller, who released a paper this week with his co-authors, um, that looked at the amount of warmth mm-hmm in the uh, Eastern Canadian Arctic, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And what they found was that it actually exceeds the amount of warming in the East Canadian Arctic, Arctic, I've got to keep remembering that, Um, the amount of warming there is the highest it's been uh, since the early Holocene, okay? So the early Holocene was just after the last glacial period on Earth, okay? And this was a time... When the amount of sun that was hitting the earth, and so the amount of warming that was coming from the sun, natural warming, uh, was 9% higher than it is now.
0: Right, and we're higher.
1: Where The amount of warming now is higher than that. Oh,
0: that doesn't sound like good news to me.
1: Nope. Uh, now, the reason why things change, uh, so the amount of heat, heating that we're getting changes is what's down to something called the Milankovitch Cycles. Is that like... Named after a cool guy, an awesome named guy, um, who uh, basically found out that due to the variations in the Earth's orbit, so the mm-hmm. Earth's orbit is changing all the time. So our Earth orbit is in a in an oval, and every now and then it gets pulled into different directions by other planets, mm-hmm. and so the the what's called eccentricity, so the amount of oval shaping mm-hmm. in the orbit changes over time.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And uh, there's another couple of effects that change over time. Um, so that's the obliquity, so the wobble of the earth. Anyway, when all of these... That's a good th- word. The obliquity. It's so be nice, oblique. isn't it? Don't
0: be ob- obliquitous. Don't be,
1: yeah. Oh, obliquitous. That's like duplicitous and obliqueness.
0: Yeah. It's bad times.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to use that. Yeah. Um, when they combine, you can get periods of significant warming or cooling.
0: So is it happening now?
1: Um, well, these variations happen over very long periods. Alright. And what climate scientists do is they take that those variations into account. Because that's it's not it's not an easy easy account, yeah. but you know, it's an easy account just to take into account the um, geometric sort of differences and the amount of sunlight that we're getting.
0: So are you saying that even taking into those factors and even taking those factors into account, the obliquity and the other one? Yeah. It's still Relatively higher than
1: yeah, we're warming higher than that. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, bad times. Bad news. Bad news.
0: Yeah, we should just have a segment on the show called Bad News. Bad Saints. news. So actually,
1: this is all bad news this week. Ah, yeah. oh, where's the good news? Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Renewable energy.
0: That's yeah, the that's news.
1: exciting. Yeah. Um. So they looked at uh, the moss, uh, 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 sort of emerging from receding ice in the. Can east. we just
0: take a break and just say,
1: mm. moss, you're awesome. Yeah, moss.
0: Lovely people underrate you.
1: Yeah, But well, actually, I don't. I've always.
0: Well, I'm speaking to you, I don't have the data to back this up, but I think people underrate Moss. Okay. Because people are just like Moss, whatever. But actually, it's done a lot of good things. Not only did it provide a seat for me in my fairy club. Okay. Down the side of the house. Lovely. But it also helps us research climate change. So, yeah. shout out to Moss.
1: Go Moss. As... Was it a comfy seat? I guess it was a comfy seat.
0: Yeah, well the problem was I tried to Like um, propagate it and make it grow more, but I did this. This was um, how did you do that? I killed the
1: moss
0: (laughs) (laughs) and tried, and I moved it because it was growing on the side of the road. And I was like, "There's good moss here." I was quite particular about my moss because there was some bad moss and some good moss. Right. And the good moss was really tightly packed together. I was like, "That was what fairies would want to sit on." Yeah.
1: And so, oh, so you were the fairy in the fairy club?
0: No, I was kind of the queen of the fairies. Oh, yeah.
1: That's Titania.
0: I guess so. I wasn't familiar with Midsummer's Night's Dream at yeah. that time.
1: Have I got the, I don't know whether I've got that right. It is. It is? Okay, yeah. good.
0: No, this was just my own imaginings. But yeah. there was really good moss on the side of the road, and there's a tiny clump just outside my bedroom window down the side of the house, and then there's all this bad quality loosely packed moss. And I so I got rid of all that to try and propagate the good moss. But um, it didn't take... Took out all the moss. So, and fairies never came back after oh, that.
1: Oh, sometimes you've got to leave things as they be. You no, know, no. Well, not I try and do. You know what you did there? You, you destroyed an ecosystem.
0: Well, I didn't know that at the time. No. I was just trying to provide a comfortable seat for fairies.
1: Well, now we know that we're destroying an ecosystem. Oh no! no. From the, from moss again. Once again, moss. Moss is taking it in the in the neck.
0: Moss, moss is like the, the canary in the mine. Or yeah. ecosystems. Well,
1: for these guys, it was yeah. Yeah. So when they looked at, they got this looked at this moss that was receding from the ice, and then they dated it and had a look at when it was last exposed to the elements. Right. Sure. And they found that um, it's been, uh, you know, it. They they found that the moss is forty four thousand years old. That it hadn't been exposed to those elements. So it hadn't wow. had the uh, the warmth to um, allow the ice flow to recede to uh, expose the moss. Right. So, yeah, now, because... At least
0: maybe someone was trying to create a fairy seat. Oh, yeah. And they moved the moss. Have they factored that possibility in? uh,
1: You know, where was this eastern Canadian Arctic? I mean, I don't know how many fairies are going to be around there. You don't know what you don't know. Or even people. Yeah, well, that's it true. Was it Donald Rumsfeld that said that? Was it? Yeah, he said... He said there are things there are unknown known unknowns. So things that we don't know that we know we don't know.
0: Yes. But
1: the most dangerous ones are the unknown unknowns. I
0: don't. Was he really the originator of that phrase? Because I thought
1: Socrates said that. Really. I think so. And you're attributing it to Donald. Well, maybe he just brought it back into into fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. All right. Right, Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, that, I keep when, on diverting you. No, that's cool. Um no, I think I think we've pretty much uh, covered covered that one. Um we can talk about um renewable energy.
0: So just to sum up on the Arctic, yeah. bad news, uh average summer temperatures sorry, the average temperatures are are higher than they have been in forty four thousand years. Uh yeah. Adjusting for all factors. Yeah, yeah. That's the headline. Bad yeah, news. That's Science. And it's
1: the right. Arctic uh, is a very... Um, well, it's a very sensitive area. All the climate models show that the Arctic is going to move first in terms right. of climate. So, and we recently... Like la- last year, the uh, extent of summer ice. So that's where we usually yes. take the warning signs from. The extent of summer ice was a little bit larger than the year before. But at the moment, we're sort of the lowest we've ever been right. uh, in the past few decades. Okay. And we're actually... V- quickly approaching the point where it's going to be ice-free during the summer. Right. Right, yeah. So yes. not, not great news. Not um, great news so, at So basically, uh, last year, uh, let's see if I can remember. Last last year, uh, the summer ice extent was 3.3 3 million kilometres
0: mm-hmm.
1: squared. And this year, it's expanded a little bit, um, but the point at which we become ice-free is 1 million. Can't so uh, I think 10 years ago, it was still at about 9 million. So we've gone from 9 to 3.3 last year. And this year, it's gone back up, I think, to to something like 4. Right. But it, we've dropped year on year on year uh, on average. Um, so, yeah, not great. Right.
0: More yeah. bad news science.
1: But good news next. are going to talk Dr. about Paul. Oh, sorry. All bad news. we we'll pick some pick some happy news next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about some happy news now. We'll talk All about right. some renewables.
0: Yeah, renewables. Yeah. Renewable energy.
1: Yeah, so renewable energy. So what do you want to know, Christine?
0: I want to know, is it possible to properly allow for our energy needs from renewable energy
1: sources? Oh, that's like the complicatedest question. Would you
0: like me to break it down? Uh, I've got another question. Go. Can we harvest magical energy from the moon? Ah. Uh,
1: wasn't there a film about that? I think there was a film where Sam Rockwell, yeah, on the moon, was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, let's not ruin any of the, no. any of the story there. But um, magical energy? Probably not. Uh-huh. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay. In, in answer to your first question.
0: Oh, you're going to answer the question. Oh, yeah,
1: but you'll give it a go. Can All we right. do it?
0: Good old Paul. Good well, old we'll, go, we'll Paul. We'll give it
1: a go. Now, what it basically comes down to is what are your natural resources around you? Wind. Yeah. Sand. Wind. Sun. Water. Water. Earth. Earth. Heart. <laughs> Captain Planet? Yeah. Yeah. Captain Planet's not going to do it for us. I'm what? sorry. We were spun a line there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Cap-
0: I wonder if Captain Planet was really a creation of, like, the oil industry. To... No.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Something cynical like that. But I like your thinking. You're quite the paranoid yeah. expert. <laughs> Thank you. The conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Anyway,
0: um, the, f- the five senses, the five Captain Planet yeah. aspects, except not heart. Although, so, I think you'd agree that if you do things with love, they're going to yeah, be
1: better. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of love going into renewables. Dr. Paul, um, not convinced. <laughs> I'm giving you a re- one raised eyebrow. Yeah. It's not two, yes. A eye yeah. and a raised eyebrow. Um, now, so, here we are in New Zealand. Here we are. New Zealand has a huge amount of natural resources. It has rivers, rivers. It has lakes, lakes. It has wind. Wind. It has lots of tidal. Tidal. Um heart. And, and heart. It has lots of heart. Now, in New Zealand, uh, about 70, 70 to 80%, depending on what time of day it is, what time of year it is, mm-hmm. uh, is generated from uh, renewable energy for the electricity grid. Say that
0: again?
1: About 70 to 80%.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I suppose hydro- One of the highest in the world. Yeah,
1: so mostly hydro. Yeah, um, Iceland is aiming to go to a hundred percent, but there's very few countries that are ahead of a, mm-hmm. ahead of New Zealand on that. Um, so yeah, so basically, so New Zealand's got a lot of those. Now, if we compare that to now, we've got lots of that possibilities, but we've also got a low population. So if we had like sixty million people, like the same as in the UK, we'd be struggling to meet those energy requirements through natural resources. Right. We do it well because. Well, there's only 4 million people, 4.4 million people here. Uh, The UK has sort of 67 odd million people. Yes. So it's a lot, lot harder to do. So there's the concern really, is how can we make renewables work for countries which are very densely populated. More densely
0: populated than New Zealand. More
1: densely populated than New Zealand and perhaps don't have all of the same natural resources. Mm. Same with Iceland. You know, Iceland's going to go for 100%, but they've got a lot of geothermal, a lot of of, uh, hydro again. So how do you make that work? Um, Well, you can make inroads. So you can say, well, we'll build one wind turbine every two kilometers around the UK coast, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will build wind turbines all through Scotland. And you do do energy that way, uh, pump energy down to the south. Uh, We will use all of the resources that we can. But even if you do, now, even if you do, you're not going to get there. For, new, for somewhere like the UK, which is yeah. a first world country, uh, 60 to 70 odd million people. So one of the plans that you can do is you can try importing energy from places that do have a lot of natural resources, which don't have the population. For example, uh, in Norway, massive amounts of hydro energy yeah. and there are plans to put in uh, links between Norway, and the UK and pump energy across right? and try so it can be the export market basically. yeah the export market because even you know, Norway
0: then, hasn't got enough export markets they've already massively rich in like minerals yeah, with the oil. oil yeah those
1: guys so they uh, could do that yeah. uh, same with Denmark and yeah. places like that uh, can export transport yeah to to, to can export the energy, um, but even then, it's still going to be quite hard to, to, for the whole of Europe to yeah. go renewable free. And we
0: haven't even started talking about China and. Oh India. yeah, and we've not even
1: started talking about um, the oil and fossil fuels required for travel.
0: Yeah, of course, uh, to actually for transport that energy,
1: cars and for planes. Yeah.
0: Although I read somewhere that India is both the highest user of energy and the highest creator of renewable energy. Okay. I don't have the data to back that up, which is a common theme
1: but it could be. So per capita, yeah. America is very much for, uh, very much ahead. So per person, yeah. uh, America is generating most most of the uh fossil fuels uh, per capita. Right. Um if you um
0: no, for India, I was saying the most
1: renewable. If you look at India, I'm not sure. That's an interesting one. I'm not yeah. sure how India were going. I'm a little bit more about China. Oh, yeah. So the recent uh, International Energy Agency reports looked at China and found that 40% of the growth of renewables worldwide mm. will occur in China over the next sort of 20 years. Um, so a lot of the... China's doing, making big inroads into the renewables uh, there. Um Just moving back to uh, Europe quickly. Um,
0: Uh, India was the first country in the world to set up a ministry of non-conventional energy resources early in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah. Nice.
1: Um, A little fact for you. So, yeah, in in Europe, um, Mm -hmm. they're sort of looking at more extreme ways to try and generate the energy. Uh, So they are looking at things like putting massive solar panels uh, in Morocco, and the sahara desert and then again connecting up through uh underwater underground lines mm. to um europe uh the power that's being generated from there wow so they're looking at big sort of uh, big projects because the problem with renewables is that you need big areas of those renewables yeah yeah and so and again not even talking about um cars planes the fertilisers needed for um, the plastics, all the sorts of things. If we're going to offset all of our fossil fuel usage, but on the plus side, the, the renewable energies are starting to take off. And the IEA, again, the International Energy Agency, uh, think that renewables will be growing faster than all of the other uh, fossil fuel industries. Um, well i think that's actually happened this year but it's a it's the it's growth on a very low base yeah true so you know okay fossil fuels are growing as well yeah um, but it, the renewables are growing more than that but it's growth on a very low sort of uh starting point
0: is nuclear energy considered renewable energy
1: um i think it It very much depends who you talk to um if I was
0: talking to dr paul what would he say
1: well it it te- I mean, it te- it technically, on the very semantics of the word, it isn't <coughs> renewable. Yeah. Um, because you have to use in, in re- uranium to, to, to generate the energy. So that's, um, it
0: technically is or technically isn't?
1: Technically isn't. Isn't,
0: because it's a finite resource. It's a, finite,
1: it's a yeah. finite resource at the moment over the period. Now, there's an argument. You can say that all resources are yeah. renewable eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you gen- there'll be more generation of fossil fuel, oil, gas, yeah. uh, coal... It uh, the depends on the horizon. Yes, exactly. It depends on your horizon. And in terms of um, nuclear energy, it's not renewable. But having said that, I think uh, nuclear energy has to be a part of the mix if we're going to avoid the harm, harmful climate change. Mm. Um, because what are we going to do?
0: If you had to rate energies from your favourite to least favourite, what mm-hmm. would the order be?
1: Um, and why? Energies <laughs> from favourite to least favourite
0: best to worst in terms of environment I that's that's oh, really hard that, that one
1: I think so um, if I was going to go if I was going to go some of the environmental stuff yeah I'd go wind is probably the best wind. the very best
0: yeah
1: um, why because the actually putting the wind turbines up um, doesn't take up that much area of land.
0: Yes, although you still get a lot of nimbyism, not in my backyard. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. But I'm actually
1: talking about actual environmental effects. Yeah, okay. Um, not just because. Grumpy people, whereas it. if you put, do put um, dams in for hydro, you do change the ecology of the yeah. system. Right. Uh, in terms of wind turbines, you don't change the ecology of the system other than the construction. Yes. Um, which is going to be the same for any type of en- energy. So we've got yeah. to start from that sort of base of thinking about it. That mm-hmm. anything is going to take construction. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that's the that's my number one.
0: Number one as I well I think yep. I think
1: after that's possibly uh, geothermal. In this, in terms of the ge- the environmental effects. Yes. Possibly geothermal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, geothermal, as long as you do it right and you reinject the uh, water and some of the heat, so you don't deplete the reservoirs, uh, can be fine. Hmm. Um then possibly hydro because the environmental and these are all fantastic and much much better than any other options fossil fuel options but you know just yeah. just say just rank at them um, uh, tidal actually it was tidal maybe I'm not sure the difference between the environmentally between hydro and tidal energy yeah I think um, it's just in different like
0: physical environments yeah I, mean,
1: yeah I mean think, yeah I think basically tidal sh- there's two types of t- main types of tidal energy tidal barrage well there's three actually there's tidal barrage tidal stream and tidal lagoons okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: so going through them very quickly tidal barrage you look for a natural inlet where right. water comes in through the through, through the tide mm-hmm. you trap that water there by some barrier and when the tide goes out you generate electricity from the potential energy stored yes in the water and then you feed the water that's trapped behind this barrage back out into the low tide right but the problem with that is you need to look for a very specific area. Right,
0: so it's not naturally um, occurring. Well, you likely. need
1: to look for a natural. Yeah, exactly. Not na- yeah. You, look, you need to look for a natural area that's going to do that. Yeah. Um, tidal stream. Yeah. Is when you l- use uh, under basically underwater wind turbines, and so you place them under the water in areas mm. where you get strong tidal currents, right. and like wind turbines, they turn and generate yeah. electricity. Cool. Now in terms of ecology I believe they're slightly better than tidal barrages because tidal barrages stop the deposition of silt right. and sediment across some stuff the looks
0: in there. Yeah
1: and um, there's a there's a fine balance you mm-hmm. know and there's fine erosion balance and things like this so um, things get very complicated there if you talk about tidal streams Uh, you're just talking about the the fish in the same way that you're talking about birds with wind turbines. Um, Now the bird stroke with wind turbines is very, very low. Mm. And I believe it's very, very low for fish as well. But, you know, I think there's more research that's going on on there. Mm. And then the final one are tidal lagoons where it's pretty much like a tidal barrage but you make it yourself. So you just go out there in the middle of the sea somewhere and build a uh, sort of floating platform. Wow. Uh, Is it floating? Well, no, or or you just trap a little bit of water. And allow the water to go in through the tide, and when the tide goes out, generate the electricity. Again, so that's the tidal barrage. Um, then you've got wave energy. Wave energy is probably way up there. Actually, I didn't think about wave energy.
0: It's different to tidal.
1: Yeah, it's very much different to tidal. Yeah, so um, waves are generated by the wind. Are they? Not by any tidal forces. Yeah. I
0: didn't know
1: that. So waves are generated by uh, by the wind flowing across the surface, and then building up. Waves.
0: So is it really just wind energy, but with water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: what's wind energy? Wind energy is number one. Solar energy. What? So the solar, uh, the sun hits the earth. Differences in the heating moves the air about, which creates wind. The wind pushes the surface of the ocean, which creates waves. So wave energy is third generation solar energy. Wow. So then solar energy must be number one. Um, Yeah. Oh, how could I forget solar energy? Of course. Yeah, solar energy is great. Now, the only reason why I guess I didn't mention that very first up is that uh, wind energy has reached a point in places like New Zealand where it could compete with uh, fossil fuels. Actually, it's not too bad. Auckland gets the same amount of sun, sunlight hours, as LA. Can you believe that?
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe that. Wellington doesn't, though.
1: Wellington's not far behind.
0: What? That's a, that's ridiculous.
1: Okay. I think that's fact check time.
0: Ah! Oh. Yeah, but
1: check it out. Check it out. Check it it's out. It's pretty close. It's pretty close.
0: Okay, so our ranking order is number one, solar. Number one, number two, wind. Mm. Number three, tidal. All of which are actually forms of solar. Yeah. Number four, other stuff. Oh, the
1: hydro, uh, hydro and geothermal. Hydro and geothermal. Yeah. Well, it's a little rundown anyway. I mean, you don't want to really think about ranking. They're all going to be part of all the mix. Well, none of them are going to be able to... So a lot of people say, well, which one's going to work? Which one's yeah. going Which one has a possibility? Well, none of them are. Because like the you're going to need to use all of them. Yeah. And in places like New Zealand, you know, New Zealand is using a lot of those. No
0: renewable energy as is an island, Dr. Paul.
1: Yeah. Yeah. New renewable energy as is an island? Yeah.
0: No renewable... Are you doing John Dunn on me? Okay. <laughs> no, Donald Rumsfeld said that one himself. Oh, Donald Rumsfeld, okay. I can't back that up with data. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a, if anybody has any questions out there on any of that... Um,
0: fire the Madness.
1: Fire the Madness. I think, um, yeah, ranking's possibly not the best way to think mm. about it.
0: We've been very elemental today. Yeah. Between fires. Yeah. And ice. Yeah. Oh, we have. And now all of the renewable energies are all kind of elements. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm feeling very at one with nature. Elements
1: of the whole uh, the whole. And we've got um some positive stuff, some really negative some stuff. Some bad
0: news science, some good news science.
1: It's a it's a Captain Planet episode. It is. Yeah. All but
0: environmental the, as well. The question is, will it have a happy ending like Captain Planet?
1: We Stay don't have tune. <laughs> Watch this space.
0: <laughs> as we reveal whether or not the future of the earth has a happy
1: ending and that's what we'll or talk not. about next week time travel
0: time travel
1: which we, really? we, we should do we should t- t- Let's t- do, should we do time travel yeah gets a bit complicated with the Einstein stuff oh. Ooh, but we'll give it a go nothing shall
0: we? Dr. Paul can't handle
1: we'll give it a go we'll
0: give it a go that has been the science whisperer this week science whisperer science whisperer science whisperer science whisperer